Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show with the host that's so bad he makes Ozzy Osbourne seem like an eloquent genius. Now I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe-smoking podcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine. And on this week's episode, um, news in just a moment. And then in pipe parts, we have a Ask the Pipe Maker with Jeff Grasick. And then the uh, main part of the show, I'm calling it Remnants. Why is it Remnants? Because it's the last, uh, well... It's uh, part Fred Hanna and part Rich Esserman finishing off those uh, those groupings, uh, so we get to we get to hear the final parts from uh, inside Fred's head and the Rich responds, and coincidentally they line up together, uh, and then we'll have uh, music mailbag and rant all that coming up on what's going to be a longer than usual show, so I apologize in advance, but uh, anyway, all right, all right, here's the news. Are you ready? Las Vegas International Pipe Show 2023. We have signed the contract. We have the dates. October 13th, 14th, and 15th. Back at the Palace Station, Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, room, uh, the link for room reservations and tables and all that stuff will go on the website in uh, February. So stay tuned here and on social media for that. But in the meantime, October 13th, 14th, and 15th save the dates you're going to want to be in vegas you get to hang out with me and uh, dave peterson and uh, you know three or four hundred of our closest friends uh pretty much the same format as before so don't worry not too many changes a couple little tweaks are coming a couple little surprises but yeah uh sign the contract so we are set to go for october 13th 14th and 15th that's a friday saturday sunday in las vegas uh also in news, if you're looking for the entire back catalog of the uh, Pipes Magazine radio show, well, make sure you subscribe to iTunes. iTunes has the entire catalog of, or Apple Podcasts, and if you subscribe to the if if you subscribe to the show, then you can scroll all the way back and listen to all of them. Uh, Spotify is uh, nitpicking a little bit, and I'm not sure about the other places, but Spotify's uh, yanked a couple of shows, so. Anyway, uh, but if you want the entire back catalog on iTunes and uh, and uh, Pipes Magazine, we're working on getting the player fixed for the older shows. So there you go. All right. Big show ahead. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a big bowl. And here we go. There's nothing quite like hunting at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Have a look in your tobacco cellar. What do you see? Think of what you smoke, what you age, what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste. And whether you know it or not, you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe. Just by smoking what you like, and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes, and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this, and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite, or a singular boutique mixture, 
We're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm, smoking pipes in faithful service of the hobby. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and joining us for Ask the Pipe Maker is the pipe maker of J. Allen Pipes. It's Jeffrey Allen, Bert Grasick. I wanted to honor all your names in there and just thankfully you don't use your entire name on a pipe because otherwise, you know, it'd have to be a seven inch long shank to yeah. stamp them all but i'm just uh, trying to trying to get longer shanks more popular by doing so yeah well thank you brian levine for having <laughs> me on your show today yeah. i appreciate it my name's boring um all right so here's here's the question and this question comes from me okay so take it for so, what it is already already just inappropriate and dumb question inappropriate and dumb question why is it that American or artisan pipe makers, whatever, mm -hmm. from around the country, you know, around the world, why is it that we only see a few of you occasionally dabble in Morta, mm -hmm. occasionally dabble in strawberry wood, mm -hmm. but very rarely do we see anybody take a shot at buying a block of Meerschaum and carving it or working in other materials. Um, why don't those other materials seem to get the same kind of play that, you know, the almighty king of the woods Briar does. And why no, haven't a, you done it? No, that's a, that's a good question. That's a good question. And I mean, uh, so, there can, I, I can only speak for myself when I'm answering this. Um, I have some strawberry wood. I have olive wood. I have, um, some of these other materials, but I have chosen not to sell them. Um, so there are a number of reasons why I don't do so. Um, one is that I have spent a good portion of my, well, I've spent all of my career trying to establish a reputation for making high quality smoking pipes that perform well, yeah. right? And to introduce a material that I am not sure will smoke as well as the briar that I'm buying does um, is not something I necessarily want to do. It's not to say that I will never do that, but it's something that is um, less interesting to me. Now, I've, like, I've made an olive wood pipe. I made it, and I smoked it myself, and... No offense to anybody who loves olive wood pipes, to people who make them for themselves or their customers, wait, people who wait, collect them. Wait, let me guess. Obviously, it went so well that you decided not to make them because it would make all your other pipes seem like they smoked bad. Uh, it, it, it was not a good experience. <laughs> I, I mean, I made, I made the pipe. It turned out nicely. Um, it just uh, it doesn't. It's, it smokes like a pipe dipped in olive oil. Um, so now I want for pizza. me, that's just not, that's not what I want to have when I smoke a pipe. If I'm smoking, um, 5,100, uh, McClellan 5,100, I want it to taste like that. Mm -hmm. And I know what it tastes like when I'm smoking it in a briar pipe. Um, so that's not the experience that I'm looking for. Now, when it comes to things like Morta, um, 
uh, the reason I don't use Morta is uh, I just don't like the way it looks. Um, so some some of the reasons are aesthetic choices um, that I it doesn't fit in with what I do. And I suppose you could say, well, isn't everything you do what you do? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, but I don't I can't. Um, I have a hard time imagining where it would fit into kind of my lineup and what I would what I would do with it. Um, uh, particularly because I don't like I said, I don't really care for the way the material looks. Um, Does some of it come into mind also? I mean, we have to keep in mind also that any any time that you're not making a briar pipe. You're mm -hmm. probably not making something that you can sell for your normal briar pipe prices. Yeah. So you're you're altering your time, but but at the same time, uh, I'm just wondering. And I think what prompted this question is is isn't there also room for some? Yeah, you know, there there are some artisans that are using Morta mm -hmm. and getting some higher grade dollars, but. Meerschaum and clay and other stuff like that seems to be down the level or down a level. And yeah, no, and I think you really hit on something there. I think that's the, and, and maybe I've been dancing around it a little bit because I'm, I'm certainly my intention with my answers is to be, um, you know, respectful of everyone's mm -hmm. decisions, whatever they want to make. I don't, I don't want to criticize those materials, but they feel a little less, um, high end to me okay. to use um, a material like strawberry wood. It's, you know, it produces great blasts, but it's, and, and I, I know like you're probably going to get some comments about this or, you know, God hope I don't, uh, <laughs> through my email, but it just feels cheap to me because it's a less expensive material to use. And so if I can get a great blast with Briar, why would I buy a less expensive material to get, um, that blast unless I just want to you know, save money because the amount of the amount of work that goes into the product that would result from it would be the same, whether I work with Morta or strawberry wood or olive wood or whatever it is. And, um, it's hard for me to justify charging what I charge for a pipe using what I consider to be lesser materials. Now, if a, if a client, an established client of yours came to you mm -hmm. and said, Jeff, I've got 36 of your pipes, mm -hmm. make me something. I would say, thank you very much. <laughs> make me something that's a little different than the others. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, then there's the, if they, if I wanted to, you know, let's say I got 36 J Allen pipes, which I don't, uh, yet, yet, <laughs> um, my wife doesn't listen, um, if I if I came to you and said Jeff, I want you to you know make your interpretation of a meerschaum for me, mm -hmm. you know, out of briar? No, a meerschaum pipe. Yeah, you know, <laughs> uh, but then there there would be a learning curve for you for working with a with a different medium. Sure, sure, absolutely. Now the the learning curve is not something I'm I'm really concerned about. Like I you know I would expect that that there would be some kind of uh, learning curve. And that's part of what I do because I have successes and failures, um, you know, regularly in my shop. Mm -hmm. So a client will want something and, and I'll have to experiment to do it. And, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, so 
you know, those that that's part of what I do, part of what I build into it. Now, if you called me and said, hey, I want you to make me a, a Meerschaum, I would probably, you know, try to fig- figure where in my production schedule I can um, fit in a project like that. And I would probably go for it. If you said, I want you to make me a Morta, um, I would I'm, I might uh, offer to refer you to someone else. Um, it's. <laughs> But it would be for the same reason that if you if you contacted me and said, I want you to make me the nicest smooth you can make me and make it blue, um, I would say, I, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to turn the check down, but uh, I don't I don't want to make a blue pipe. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, and I guess I guess because, what because I'm... ultimately my name is stamped on it when I'm done. Right. Right. Whatever goes out your factory may not always stay with the person that it ends up with, and then it goes exactly. around. Yeah, and... I don't have any control over it after it leaves. And so you and I might have an agreement like this will never leave your possession or whatever it might be. But, you know, there's no there's no guarantee of that. And it would be kind of silly of me to to sell something under those conditions anyway. I stood in front of a judge and said, till death do us part. And we tried to fix that a couple of times with in life. So <laughs> it worked out. It worked yeah, out. Yeah. We're, we're still, we're still trying to kill each other. Um, so that way we can part, but no, I, I guess, uh, I guess what I'm getting at is there, there's a reason why Briar is the, is the King material amongst smoking pipes. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you personally tried smoking all the other different materials of pipes, whether it be from a, from a pipe you, you know, just a pipe you bought from somebody else? Yeah, or? Uh, yeah I, I wouldn't say all of them. Um, so to that end, you know, here, here I've said I don't like the way that Morta looks, which for mm-hmm. me is kind of endgame for it. If I don't like the way it looks, I'm not going to use it, just yeah. period. But uh, I've never smoked a Mirisham, or I'm sorry, a, um, uh, I've never smoked um, a Morta pipe. And some people, you know, people are free to criticize me for that. Um, but I just don't find I, I don't, I'm not attracted to it. So yeah. it's not I, something for me. Now, if someone gave me one and said smoke it, then I would, you know, I would say thank you very much and I would try it. But, you know, I don't think that's going to convert me to to making pipes, even some pipes out of Morta. Um, Mearsham, uh, I've had good and bad experiences with it. I have uh, some. I have a really nice IMP, like gorgeous little billiard. Mm-hmm. It's just my size and everything, and it smokes great. Uh, it doesn't smoke. It smokes a little differently than a briar. Um, and you know, given the choice between two, but between the two, I would rather pick up a briar. Yeah. But I really like the pipe. I, I don't have a. It's not knocking the 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 Meerschaum at all. It's just my preference is is for briar. And and I think there's more to appreciate with Briar. Like so much of it is tactile for me, so I like to turn the pipe over in my hands as I'm smoking it. I like to see it, uh, the the whether it's the growth rings or the grain on a smooth pipe. So it's just added interest to me. Where a Meerschaum is um, uh, like a blank canvas. You could unless sand- of course you get into sculpted Meerschaum, and that's yeah. a totally different animal. You could sandblast that Meerschaum, but then you'd have nothing on the end of a stem. You'd have nothing left. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, you know, I, I I appreciate your honesty and uh, and tolerating sure. my uh, my silly question, and it's probably just me wanting to to justify trying other pipes again. But what happens? Yeah, from- well, and 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 I think Brian, like the I think the message that I would want to get across to your listeners too is that you know. It's the message that I always try to relay in these this or that kind of things or like, what do you think of my preference for this thing? Like, I, if someone likes to make pipes out of 
whatever material, as long as it's not toxic, like don't go making pipes out of Coca Bolo or something like that. Manzanita. Um, yeah, no thanks. Uh, you'll get in trouble for that one. Um, but if you uh, if you prefer pipes that are made out of those materials, then I say go for it. Mm -hmm. And if you like making pipes out of those materials, go for it. Um, but for me in my workshop, I kind of have a I have a uh, collection of materials that I work with uh, because and, and and it's for uh, reasons that make sense to me. And I and I will say I enjoy smoking my three meerschaums that I have, and I enjoy smoking them on occasion. And it just changes mm -hmm. what I'm used to, and it's a little deviation from the normal. Absolutely, absolutely. I say keep doing it. Thank you very much, Jeff. My pleasure, Brian. Thanks for having me. We'll be back in just a minute. <laughs> This is Internet Radio. What are you looking for in a pipe? Is it the quality of aged briar? Is it a certain shape or finish? Maybe it's the sound engineering that ensures an effortless, smooth draw with each and every puff. That's exactly the kind of pipe Savinelli has delivered for generations now. With such a variety of shapes, finishes, and sizes, it's easy to find something that fits your sensibility and style. Just this year, we've expanded our lineup to include the Bianca, the Lancelotto, the 2015 Collection, and the final installment in the Leonardo da Vinci line, the Vitruvio. For a bolder style, try our more colorful 2015 editions as well. The exotic Cashmere, the sultry Licoricea, and the striking Arcabellano Red. So whatever you're looking for in a pipe, know there's a Savinelli waiting for you. Contact your local or online retailer to find your Savinelli today. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and here is the final, the, the final remnant installment of uh, Inside Fred's Head. Okay, Fred, you wrote this, so I blame you for it. And anything that is said on this show cannot be held against me in the court of public opinion or any liability whatsoever. This is all from Fred's head, but I'll chip in with it too. Are you ready? Here's the question. What is the biggest myth, lie, or bullshit line that you have encountered in the pipe world. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. What were, were, did you not have enough fiber in your diet that day that you wrote that or something? Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, most of the fiber that I get is from tobacco actually. Yeah. Well, it's tasty. Um, so what is the biggest, do you want to handle that one first or do you want me to? I mean, I think starting out in the, when you get into the hobby part itself, you know, the, the collecting of pipes, the aging of tobaccos, you know, when you get into, when you, when you become more than just the guy that's got a couple of pipes and enjoys his pipe tobacco, when you get into it, I felt like at the beginning, I had to like English blends because those were that was the shit, you know, that was the big yeah, stuff. That was, true. that was what all the real men smoked. Yeah. Or that's a good point. all the real pipe, you know, all the real pipe guy, pipe people will, will be, yeah. will be modern right here. All the yeah. real pipe smokers smoked English blends. And in particular at that point, Dunhill, you know, that's what, you know, nine, six, five nightcap, Early morning, you know, that's that's all you're, you know, that's all I heard. You know, English tobaccos. 
Uh, I also ran into the same problem when it came time to learn how to uh, be a, you know, be a uh, a cultured gentleman and drink with the men when it was all single malt scotches. Yeah, huh. uh, single malt scotches are the best. You can't, you know, don't don't be drinking that Jack Daniels. I don't care if it's Gentleman Jack or, you know, Seagrams and you know seven and sevens or whatever I was drinking. Uh, you know, oh, you got to enjoy this twelve year old single malt scotch. Yeah, these are the best. Well, guess what? I don't like any of those. <laughs> I, in fact, not only do I not like them, I can't stand them. So, wow. yeah. So you know, Eng- Latakia, Latakia blends and single malt scotches were, yeah, especially when I was on the cigar side. All those guys were. You know, drink, you know, drinking, you know, 18 year old McAllen or 18 year old, some word that I can't pronounce because it's something from the Highlands that, you know, was, yeah, yeah. yeah. Especially those, uh, um, you know, the, uh, space sides. Yeah. Whatever yeah. their words are. I, you know, <laughs> you may love them and they may be the best to you, but <laughs> bull hockey, I, I think, yeah, they, I, I hear that. I'm sorry. You, they suck. Um, yeah, I hear you. Um, there's th- that's uh, a good point. I think that one of the biggest um, myths that was passed on to me was that the quality of grain affects the quality of the smoke. Huh. And so, I really believed back in the mid '70s and a few years beyond that, actually that if you had a great straight grain and second to that great bird's eye, that it actually affected the way the wood handled the smoke. Um, and by the way, this was also in um, that 1974, uh, the Book of Pipe and Tobacco by, uh, help me out, what was his name? Carl Ewa. Yeah, yeah, Ewa, Ewa yeah, sure. And he said that, you know, straight grain was the best smoke, and he went into some detail on why. And that was a very common myth back then that I thought um, that I bought into. And then as the years went by, I realized it was just complete bullshit. (laughs) Um, And, you know, and me, I mean, there's nobody... Uh, as far as I know, Brian, I could be the only person in the world who collects exclusively straight grain pipes. And so if I say that there's nothing superior about a straight grain um, smoking quality, well, I think that says something because if anybody would be the one to promote that idea, it would be me. But no, 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 not for a long, long time have I believed that any um, grain um, is going to affect the quality of a smoke. In fact, sometimes no grain at all will produce a fantastic smoke. Um, in, in the case, for example, of uh, Costello Sea Rocks, oh. some of those some of those pipes smoke fantastic, and they, you know they don't make them Sea Rocks if they got great grain. You know, <laughs> now this one's got too good a grain. We don't want that Hannah to buy it. We'll carve it up. right exactly so i think that was a huge myth that i bought into 
But uh, you, another, you know, you and, well, well, wait, 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 wait. Before you go on, you and I are a lot alike in this. In God, that hurt to say, but um, <laughs> you know, take a Valium, take a Valium now, yeah, and we'll come back. No, go ahead. Well, I'll just have a sip. I'll, I'll have a sip of tea. That's the modern gentleman's Valium. Um, <laughs> we are a lot alike in that we have collections that we don't that we don't buy because of their smoking quality. You have your collection of straight grains because of your neuroses with seeing things that aren't perfect. Uh, I have my collection of Disney pipes that, you know, I buy them not because they smoke great because they don't most of them. Uh, I buy them because they make me happy. Yeah, exactly. You know, so there's and, another myth. You know, <laughs> don't buy what you think is great. Buy what makes you happy. Oh, yeah, man. I totally agree with that. And, you know, so with my straight grains, if I get a straight grain, I've had straight grains that were magnificent and they smoke like shit. They just tasted. By the way, for the readers, when I say a pipe smokes bad, I mean it tastes bad. I've had pipes that are not well drilled and not properly, quote unquote, engineered that have an incredible taste to them. You might have to use a pipe cleaner on them more often. But the taste is is fabulous. So I go by the taste of the wood. And I've had pipes, straight grains that just didn't taste good. And so I get rid of them. I just never, I wouldn't keep a pipe that didn't taste good. Yeah. Um, why? Because they don't make me happy, to get back to your your earlier statement. So another myth, can we move on? Yeah, sure. This is your head we're talking in, so go ahead. <laughs> you have my sympathies. Um, well, the other another thing is that um, Virginia, and this is a different way of saying what you said earlier. Mm -hmm. I was taught that Virginias are inferior quality tobaccos, and that only that and sort of strange in that sense, and that they are, like you said, inferior to English tobacco and that Latakia without Latakia a pipe tobacco is never going to taste right and <laughs> I lived by that for a good number of years uh. until about 20 I think it was around the year 2000 maybe 1999 somewhere in there I discovered Virginia's and I thought to myself what an idiot I had been some of these Virginia's are magnificent and so I started blending um, Virginia's with Latakia in various proportions, and um, I just was having a ball. And the the and I still to this day I remember looking at Virginia that guys would buy in bulk at the shop that I worked in, and I would think to myself, "What are they seeing that shit? It smells weird." Well, why? Because I had been indoctrinated into the English myth. Yeah. And that's uh, the long and the short of it. And I, um, I, I think I missed out on a lot of stuff. Let me, let me that. touch on one more too. Cause I am, I am full of controversy when it comes to this issue, as they might say in England. And <laughs> it sounded, it just sounded a whole lot smarter because I slid in some British accent there. Sorry for all the UK listeners, but that's my version of well, it. My head's still spinning. 
Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. You know, it's a miracle. Love it or leave it, Brian. You yeah. Know? Okay. Bye. Um, <laughs> I'll miss you. Uh, no. Here's the other one. And I hate this one with a passion because I've proved it wrong for me. And I don't care what anybody else thinks. The more age, the better the tobacco. Bull. Next. Um, that is a very controversial. No, it's actually true. Everything, 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 everything. And I'll, and I'll pull on your, uh, your, your, uh, your snobbery of the fine wines for this. Everything ages on a bell curve and the bell curve is relative to the person that is consuming it. Thank you. Yes. I, you know, there are some, I, I, I think we talked about this briefly in a in a previous episode oh i've been on the i've been on this pulpit preaching this for years so <laughs> yeah so there are some people who um prefer that see the the thing about latakia when it ages for example one of the things about latakia when it ages is that it softens it doesn't it doesn't get it better it. it gets less shitty yeah, and it, there's less there's less power in the Latakia. There's less mm -hmm. boldness. There's less uh, straightforwardness um, of the actual taste of the Latakia as it ages. Some people don't like that. Some people like that big, forward, knock you in the ass and knock you on your butt yep. um, kind of effect of the Latakia. And you're not going to get that by aging English tobacco. So you hear people say, I mean, I've heard people say the opposite as a myth as well, Brian, where people say, you know, no tobaccos are, are get any better after five years. And that is total horseshit. You'll excuse me. I don't know how you feel about that one. You're but wrong. Lots, well, go ahead. I have lots of Virginias that are 20 years old that have, um, how shall I say, marvelously uh, improved over the years. And you and I have been over this topic in the context of Tang and other sorts of uh, experiences. But anyway, yeah. there's a, uh, a, and so at this point we're talking about, is this a myth or just a difference of opinion or a difference of experience and preference? I would say that the myth is that, you know, the older the tobacco gets, the automatically better it gets and no 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 see there's a curve like you said yeah yeah just yeah. like with wine wine well i had for example i think i don't know if i ever mentioned this before but i had the good fortune of drinking a wine chateau mouton rothschild it was uh from 1875 when i drank it it was like 106 years old or something like that i had it at a tasting and Brian, that wine was worth about 15 bucks. <laughs> um, the guy paid thousands for it, and it would be thousands today, but it was worth about 15 bucks. I remember tasting it, and we, I mean, this was an event that was actually televised, and I'm, I'm sipping this wine, and I'm thinking to myself, and I was the first one that he poured it for, okay? Um, and I'm thinking to myself, wow, this is totally unimpressive wine. And yet he was saying, oh, this is great, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking that nah, this stuff ain't good at all. 
And then 20 minutes later, because it was so old, it turned to vinegar. Boom, right on the spot. Couldn't drink it anymore. Yeah. Um, so, the, however, there are people going to rave about this wine. When I read reviews of this wine in the big-time uh, you know, um, reviewer columns, this wine was literally um, you know, extolled and exalted as this fantastic example of Chateau Mouton, which was from a great year. Remember, some of them don't even last that long. So the question then about um, some tobacco is that after a certain time, it just loses its quality and loses its flavor, and it is no longer, just like an old wine, it no longer has um, any real body or or uh, depth of flavor. It just changes. But that, doesn't, but that doesn't mean that it's not great 20 years later. It depends on the tobacco um, and who made it, just like in the wine business. And it depends on the experience that you're expecting out of it. And I think I, and I think you're right. I think we've talked about this before, and I apologize to everybody if we've you know beat this horse to you know to the death. But um, I guess we can't beat horses anymore. But um, <laughs> if we've no, covered, we do that. yeah, if we've covered this extensively, but I think it's really important that things are constantly. Uh, you know, the, the tobacco is constantly changing because it is a natural product and that there are certain rules. You can't put a blanket rule on it. Uh, you know, I may, I, I remember walking, you know, I may have told this story before, but Trent McCraney, my dear friend at McCraney's who is responsible for all the McCraney's red ribbon crops and primarily and for selecting those, uh, I went to offer him a bowl full of the first crop original one. And at that point, the tobacco would have been about 16, 17 years old. And he said, no, no, thanks. It's not, it's gone too soft for me. Wow. And, you know, and I, I completely agree with it. it it's just, where do you, you have to figure out where your spot is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I remember talking to, um, Mary McNeil once about this, and I was asking her why McClellan's tobacco, when it's brand new, um, you know, newly released, in other words, why it had this sharp tang flavor, um, whereas when they really age, that all smooths out and becomes this rich, wonderful flavor. She said, well, we want it to taste like that. Yeah. And I thought, and I said, to, to her, I said, you want it to taste like that? She says, yeah, we like the tang, which, of course, um, was, you know, you said that yourself, and it made mm -hmm. me think of Mary at the time when I had that conversation with her. So, you know, but on the other hand, there are some brand-new tobaccos that are green-tasting. They're like like cabbage, man, you <laughs> know, or, or uh uh, just some poor quality lettuce or something or autumn leaves, you know, and some of them, not all of them, some of them improve with age because why they, they're supposed to improve in the tin. Um, and I remember the early Murray's Dunhills were like that. Um, and, and some of us like that road. 
some of us uh, like that tanginess and some of us really like that punch of perique. Yeah. yeah. And, and then there and then do. there's some people that are nicotine sensitive. I'm not saying who cuz we know of your famous moment, but I won't bring it up. <laughs> I refer you back to the Christmas episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show from a couple of years ago. <laughs> or a year ago. That's right. So anyway, some, some tobaccos are just green, and um, but they will get better in two or three years. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, throw that into the mix as well. And as you're aging that tobacco, hopefully you become a better pipe smoker because you have more experience and know a little bit better how to smoke a pipe because I'm still learning new tricks even at my age. And, and One of the most amazing things about the pipe is how you never stop learning. Yeah. And somebody who acts like they all have it, they have it all figured out, nah, these, whoever that is is just full of shit. The, the, real, the real experts <laughs> that I know um, you know, such as yourself, Greg Pease, Fred Janusik, Rich Esserman, Marty Palvers, we're all continuously learning because pipe smoking has so many subtleties and complexities and variations and uh, wonderful um, different aspects to it that, you know, uh, I'm going to die and I'm not going to have it all figured out. It is a highly complex, simple pleasure. Right. So that's why when I see these guys on the internet and they talk like they all got to figure it out, sorry, <laughs> they have it all figured out. I mean, I'm sorry, but they don't know their ass from a hole in the ground. Yeah. Keyboard warriors. All right. I think we've killed all the myths and lies and bullshit, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or we've created more, but uh, thanks, Fred. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and there you have it the final installment of inside fred's head and in just a moment we'll have uh, rich responds hi i'm jeremy reeves head blunder of cornell and deal we know pipe smoking is a personal journey that's why our small team of blending and production experts take a personal approach in every step preparing tobacco products just for you. We source top quality leaf through the personal connections we've made around the world, hand blend that leaf, and carefully package each tin. Each product, from special releases like our small batch line to our most popular mixtures like Autumn Evening, are made right here in South Carolina by professionals dedicated to providing the finest of smoking experiences. Lighting up a pipe is an exploration through evolving flavors, thoughts, memories, and even dreams. From our hands to yours, Cornell and Deal tobaccos are your passport for that voyage, provided by people who, like you, value the journey. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and here's the final installment or remnant of uh, Rich Responds. How, how would you be a different person if you never took up pipe smoking? Wow, that's yeah. a good question. I don't think um, you'd have any friends. I don't think you have many now, but I don't think you'd have any at all. I probably, I probably wouldn't have yeah. any friends. I, I don't know. I mean, I have different friends. I do different things, I guess, and you'd you'd make up for that some other way. I mean, I'm a 
I'm, a, I'm a, my personality is I like to collect things. Yeah. Um, but I also like to use the things that I collect. So, you know, one time I wanted to get into pocket watches, but if you use it and you wear them down, they're, they're worth less or whatever it is. Yeah, I, I would probably find another hobby, but I, honestly, you know, the pipe smoking over the over the period of time that I've been doing it, people say, well, you know, it has, I look at 99% of the time I smoke by myself. You know, but in this day and age, I can communicate with friends via email and see what they're smoking, what they're doing. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know what kind of person I would be, but the pipe smoking has something that's always fit my personality. Yeah. I always wanted to smoke a pipe. I don't know why. I mean, it's not something that I set out to do because I wanted to look cool or something like that. I, I wanted to smoke a pipe because I thought, gee, it looks terrific to do. It looks like something that very comforting that I wanted to do. And then I got into, like I say, the, the first really great pipe I ever had was a, was a, uh, seven uh, LA autograph many years ago. And that just changed everything because then I knew that this could be not just a nice experience, but this could be a great experience. I, I can tell you all a secret about rich, uh, the Saturday zoom group. I think you're the only one that I have never seen smoking a pipe on the <laughs> Zoom. You you just don't do it because your pipes are so big. You need both hands and you need to focus and concentrate and you need the, uh, you know, you need to get the little elf to stand on the bowl to light it because the bowl's way out there somewhere. Well, it's true. I don't. Sometimes I do. I get back on that Zoom because that Zoom that you're talking about could be going on till one, two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Um, and I've gotten on it. Uh, I'll be smoking my pipe then because that's when I smoke in the, in the late evenings. See, uh, but I don't, I don't see to me, for me right now. And, and again, it, everything could be different if I wanted it to be different, but I don't to me, the pipe smoking is something very, it's not something that I just casually do. Yeah. It's something that I want to do. It's something that I really enjoy. It's a great pleasure, you know. But it's like anything else. Yeah, could you be if you if you uh, were a Scotch drinker and you smoke, you drank the uh, you know twenty year old whatever it is. You know, you don't want to necessarily do it all day. You could <laughs> good for a while, <laughs> but then it's not going to be after a while. It's not going to be too good for you. <laughs> um, and, and that's the same thing with the pipe is that I've decided, even though I could do it more now because I've retired, is that I want to, I just want to have that one big bowl. And I found that, you know what, I could have, I could have smaller pipes and smoke two bowls that are the same length as the one bowl maybe. But I find that the taste of the tobacco diminishes on the second bowl for me. So I prefer to have, and that's what I used to do. I mean, when I used to, when there really wasn't huge pipes, you know, I used to come home and maybe, you know, seven o'clock, smoke a bowl from seven to eight when I was single or something like that. And then, you know, eight thirty or nine, I'd smoke another bowl for an hour and that was it. And then maybe I'd come home during lunch the next day, smoke for 30 minutes, you know, and then. They had a change because they came down here. But anyway, I got into the habit of smoking one 
football at the end of the day when I came home. And, and for those that don't remember, um, Rich was basically an accountant, so very structured, very timed, and routine is highly important to a certain doctor of pipes, Rich Esserman. Uh, and I've also, you know, I've heard you talk before about your selecting of the pipe for the night and selecting of the blend and loading of the bowl and your whole process of selecting the pipe and selecting the tobacco and loading the bowl that takes longer than it takes for me to smoke an entire to load and smoke an entire bowl well you know it's funny though i have not every not every time because there i don't have a rotation it's impossible for me to have a rotation but there are certain times when I'm just in the mood mm-hmm. for a particular, like I might want to just smoke, and I'm fortunate, I want to smoke Dunhill Magnum Benz from the 20s. And that's it. I'm just in the mood for those. And then, but that could last for five or six days. And then the next time I'm, I'm really interested in smoking the Costello Big Lines um, or, or, or the new thing, the... Uh, the old, the old America pipes, which are the pipes of the year, IPCPR, yeah. and I and I'll have a bunch of them, and I'll I want to just smoke them, and then I'll stop, <laughs> and then I'll move to like a smaller GG size. Yeah, you know, I'll, I want to smoke them for a while, and then all of a sudden, I don't know what I want to smoke, and then I'll think, well, maybe I'll smoke. I have an Ilstead that's a Magnum Bull. All right, let me smoke them. Then I'll smoke Costello Bulldogs. For the- <laughs> so you never know. You never know. Yeah. It, it keeps it interesting, though. Your, your pipe selecting and, I mean, your process to, to select the pipe and load the bowl and everything does, it takes longer than it takes me to smoke most of my pipes. <laughs> right. And then you load the pipe. You know, once you get the pipe loaded and then you light it, you know, you smoke relatively fast. But uh, uh, one more question for you. Yeah. Can you tell us two underrated pipe brands that, you know, the pipe brands that receive far too little recognition, maybe they're pipe makers in your mind that get too far little recognition in, in your, in the inside the head of Rich Esserman? Hmm. That's a, a tough question. Yeah. Because, you know, there's uh, most pipe makers, you know, get out. The question is, you know, why would a pipe maker not get the recognition that they deserve? And and generally, uh, it's because for whatever reason, like aesthetically, you may not like their shapes. Yeah. So, uh, for instance, I have I had one I I shouldn't have done. It. I sold it, but I have a huge. What is it, Le- Leonatra? Leonatra? Leonatra, the duck, or the yeah, goose? The duck pipe. Yeah, that has a it's a um, I forgot the uh, designation. It has the uh, it has a, a over a four inch wide bowl. Good lord! I got I, I got it on uh, I got it on eBay unsmoked from Rob Cooper years ago, and um, that pipe is a great smoking pipe. It's really a trim. I really love it. Now I go to look for more. Not they're not going to be more in this particular size and shape, but I'm looking for more 
in that in that brand. <laughs> and I had a nice big beard, and I sold it because someone offered me a lot of money for it, so I shouldn't have done that. But I can't find any that I like in terms of shape. They don't appeal to me. So I would say to you, this this brand. You know, from my little experience, and I have other people that have friends who have smoked it, a great smoking pipe, but for some reason, the shapes don't appeal to me. And so that's, that's, that's one thing. So that, that might be a brand. And, uh, um, uh, Giacono Tanino. Yeah. Also, great smoking pipe. I have one that's a queen. No, it's a, sorry. It's a King E. And it was the King E at the time was the highest grade. He is now a triple E. I think that's the highest grade. That's another brand that is a great smoking pipe. This And it's beautiful. It's really a wonderful pipe. But again, no, no, uh, you know, not as much brand recognition. I think part of it has to do Again, with the shapes, sometimes the finish. You know, I don't like their carved. I, they've made some really large, um, you know, triple jack. Uh, what is it? Uh, whatever it is. They're, they have a they have a, um, a a Stanford giant. And anyway, the point of the matter is that, but I can't seem to find pieces that I really, you know, that appeal to me. So. That's what I would tell you is, you know, these are underrated, but they're underrated probably for that reason. <laughs> could could be that no one knows how to pronounce Tonino Yakino. But... <laughs> Yakino. Yeah, Yakino, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, but, but, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of underrated. But again, I think they're, they're underrated for a particular reason. You know, people just don't buy pipes just to buy them. People don't spend hundreds of dollars on pipes just for the name. They might do it once, as you said. You you did it once, right? You bought certain pipes because of the name. I did it three times. I'm persistently yeah. stupid sometimes. Well, you know, but but the thing is, you discovered that it's not the stamp, as yeah. Fred Hanna would say, if you go back to Fred Hanna. It's not the stamp that's going to do it. It's the smoking qualities of the pipe. So you got to just sort of figure out what is it that you're interested in. And again, I would love to get more of these other brands, but like I say, the carving on, on the, on the Jacono, um is not a, whatever, Jack, is not, I, I don't like the way it's carved. It's a little too sharp for me. Yeah. doesn't feel right. So these are little things that are going to put me off from buying that particular brand for me. Other people like them. Oh, sure. And, and I think that, but that's, that's part of the process of learning and exploring and experiencing is you get more and more detailed into the things that do work for you and the things that don't work for you. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, to go back to where we began, I, I think you can't really, you can't really stop looking, though. No. So you can't, you can't, I, I'm always looking, I'm always willing to try, within reason, you know, different pipes, different pipe brands, different shapes, 
because that's what keeps it really interesting. Interesting to me is that you can't be like a stuck in a. I know guys that only buy, and I know one guy he's somewhat wealthy, and um, but he'll say, "Well, I won't buy a pipe that costs less than five hundred bucks or something." <laughs> and I say, "Why?" You know, that's him. <laughs> If I was still in the, if I was still in the industry, I'd just walk up, change the price tag from fifty to five hundred, and say, "There you go." Right? Yeah, because <laughs> I said, "Have you ever tried these?" He said, "No, they're, they're too cheap, too cheap." But that's you know, I'm just making it's not a made up thing, but I'm just saying that is a particular thing, you know. So you gotta, you gotta, but it's always that process of, of exploration of really seeing what's out there, what appeals to you, and again, things could always change. Yeah. yeah, but some guys that I talk to, I know they're not going to change. They're going to buy what they're going to buy, and they're not really that interested in, in something that you're doing that's different than what they're doing. And so those kind of those people, I mean, I'm I'm not saying that everybody has to be you know open minded, but you know it can be boring if they're interested because I'm interested in what they're doing. Because I like to hear what people are doing. It's like, yeah, I may pick something up, but I'm just interested. Like if you say to me, oh, Brian, hey, Brian, Rich, I got this great new acquisition, a Disney pipe that I didn't even know about. <laughs> well, what's it have to do with anything I do? Zippo. But on the other hand, it's meaningful to you. So it's interesting to me because it's something that means something to you. You know, and, and and for the most part, I find a lot of guys that are like that. The camaraderie of different folks, you know, who it may not be their piece, but they're interested and they're happy because you did it. You yeah. got it. Yeah, or you know, I want to I want to learn about what excites you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, as I say, you know, a lot of times, and I have uh, you know friends that I I know what they're looking for. And so I'll see a pipe on eBay or some other site or whatever it is. And I'll say, you know, even Instagram, have you checked out this pipe? Do you have you seen this guy, this maker? And a lot of times they'll say, no, I didn't. And then I'll, then I'll end up, did you buy the pipe? Yeah, I bought the pipe. <laughs> and so it adds to them. The fact that I was able to help them out buy something that I think they were going to like, because people have done that to me my whole life. You know, they've said to me, hey, Rich, <laughs> here's something. And I would have missed it had they not seen it. Hey, but hey. then on the other hand, you know, I just want to mention one thing, Brian, is that sometimes a guy will write to me, you know, say, here's a pipe I'm really interested in. And it's something that I'm interested in, too. But I'll say to him, you know, you've been in it or you buy it. It's on a site. Even though I like it, it's better for your collection than my collection. <laughs> or, or you tell them, no, that's a piece of junk. You there's all kinds of problems with that one, and then you buy it. <laughs> well, yeah. Or, or what I'll do is I'll occasionally I'll just say, well, you know, the best man's going to win. Yeah. Because because I'm in really interested in that pipe, and that's it. Uh, but you know, mostly I try to try to. What I remember, there was one piece in particular that I. It wasn't a great. I mean, unknown stamping from England. It was a, a an LC kind of shape, and I saw it. And a friend of mine emailed me who's into these LCs, and 
you know, he said, I said, this is a nice pipe. I asked him, are you going to bid? He said, yeah. And believe me, I could have way outbid him because he told me what his top thing was going to be. And I said, you know, bid. I hope you win. But I'm not bidding on it now. And there we go. The final part of the Rich Responds. We'll be back in just a minute. For over 150 years, Peterson has welcomed all pipe smokers. It's the preferred choice of the thinking man and the everyman alike, and our workshop too is a place of hospitality and warmth. Hi, I'm Glenn Whelan, and for me, Peterson is a family tradition I've known since my childhood. My dad, Tony Whelan Jr., worked at Peterson for 53 years and has been my home since 2003. From sweeping our factory on a Saturday morning, to managing our store, to now steering our international distribution, I've seen the craftsmanship poured into each Peterson pipe. It lives in Jason's discerning eye as he handcrafts our silver accents and in Wojciech's able hands as he carves our rustications. It abides in Willie's grading and in Warren's papering. Peterson has welcomed us as contributors to its legacy. And it's a welcome we always extend to you. Cade Mila Folge, 100,000 welcomes, wherever you come from, whosoever you be. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, lots of opinions in uh, this episode. Running long, as I said. And the best part is, is uh, I haven't warned Kevin how this show's, how this week's show is going to come out. Breaks the format, breaks the routine. So it'll be interesting to see how he does the, uh, how he does the show titling and pictures and stuff. So <laughs> it'll be a surprise for both of us and everybody else listening all right for music i got an email and the email came in from pastor joda and he said i stumbled across a very unlikely pipe reference in a song today like it hit me out of nowhere the song is hit parade from the band mute math at the very end of the song there's a voiceover and an explicit pipe reference this band is a bit different from most other bands and certainly from the typical show selections, but they are no August Burns Red. And then he put a little winky face. So, um, yeah. So anyway, this is uh, this song is called Hit Parade by a band called Mute Mouth. Here's a final straw to take a stride In a right direction I can hardly see the sky
I smoked a pipe. Oh man, I was number one on the hip parade. Well, what do you think? I got a little bit of uh, kind of some old uh, early 70s sticks out of it <laughs> mixed up with some modern stuff. So, uh, fun song. Thank you very much to Pastor Joda for sending that in. Mm, message from the dark side there is. And remember, if you have a comment or question, you can email it directly to me, Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at PipesMagazine.com or post it on the Pipes Magazine radio show page just like Dino does every week where this week he says... Uh, Pete gave us a nice history of Briarworks. His fascinating explanation of both factory and handmade pipecraft was quite informative. The plans for the Mule Town show seem to guarantee a good time for all levels of pipe enthusiasts. The musical selection was the perfect coda to your conversation with Pete, who is still a dreamer and a believer. Uh, you are absolutely correct about the need to spend a little time or a little cash to keep your pipe smoking sweet. Thanks for a very entertaining show, Dino. You're welcome, Dino. And then Casey Ghost says, uh, Kringle Flake is just okay in its third version. Could be better with a few years of age, but I don't think so. It was a very good interview with Pete Prevost. I was really surprised that Briarworks makes only 3,000 to 4,000 pipes. Uh, we've tried a few at the Casey Pipe Show and found them to be great smokes or really bad smokes. This, of course, was the first year in operation for them. Uh, it takes a little while to get things going, right? Uh, their pipe show sounds like a grand time for one and all. Wish I could go. I think as a music maker, Pete is a talented pipe carver. Ooh. Uh, so Casey Ghost didn't like the music. Uh, and then Appalachian Piper 92 says, Awesome. As always, thank you for the work that goes into the podcast. You are much welcomed. Uh, Motor John 68 said, My lunchtime entertainment for tomorrow. Hey, good. I'm glad. Glad we're entertaining you while you're eating. Uh, Arrow English said, I'm not big into podcasts, but I'm definitely checking this one out. I love Briarworks, and I would love to know why he's not big into podcasts. Uh, and E. Tipton says, was in Nashville today and went by Briarworks. Great shop and people. I lucked up and got one of their new cannonball pipes in the new stem designs. Hey, there you go. And uh, PCF Dave said, love the interview. Definitely makes me want to make the stop when I'm out in those neck of the woods. And uh, Arrow English came back and said, uh, great interview with Pete. I'd love to see how that CNC machine works. Yeah. And uh, JM Smitty says, great show. My first really nice new pipe was a Briarworks C101 author. Smoked great out of the box, and it got me started along my pipe collecting journey. I've never met Pete in person, but I'm so glad for the success of the storefront and continuing the Briarworks brand. Great show, Brian, and thanks for bringing him back onto the show, Jason. Uh, you are very welcome. Yeah, Pete's such a nice guy, too. Uh, and then Johanan says, I always enjoyed Sanctus Real. Briarworks pipes are good pipes, and everybody should try, <laughs> should try to own at least one. And then finally, from Bryant Malone, he writes, uh, Hello, Brian, this episode was a doozy in a good way. Your review of the three Kringle Flakes was a real eye-opener for me. For some reason, I thought all the Christmas blends were aromatics. Hearing that they can, in fact, be otherwise was a shock. Now I have to be sure to get some if Sutliff makes a 2023 edition. Uh, and I'll just interject in there. McClellan's Christmas cheer was just a straight Virginia. So, uh Sutliff got it right and added Perique to it. 
and then he continues with your interview with Pete Prevost was also very interesting. Pete sounds like a genuinely nice person, a trait which seems to be fairly common among pipe and tobacco folks. Judging by your show, uh, both his store and the Mule Town Pipe show sound like must-see attractions. I'm thinking it might be a good idea to start a smaller show such as his rather than jump right into your Vegas show or Chicagoland show. Uh, his store sounds like I could spend a few hours there with no effort. Definitely food for thought. The musical choice this week was well done, and Pete does play an excellent guitar. While Sanctus Real has a nice tight sound, they are not exactly my speed, but the variety is the strength of your selections, so I can't complain. Uh, your rant about cheap pipe owners wanting restorers to basically give their services away was also right on. I'd love to see some of the bitching and moaning messages which prompted you to share this rant. As always, keep up the good work, my friend. Best regards, Bryant. All you get is my rant. That's it. Uh, and uh, keep those comments coming. And in just a moment, rant time. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. Thoid Floor Men's Clothing. Suits, shoes, ties, trousers, cufflinks, going up. I beg your pardon, but on what floor might I find the luxury tobaccos, pipes, and accessories? Well, I'll tell you, pal, if it's those things you's looking for, you need to visit tinbids.com. Ah, yes, of course. You mean the pipe collector's auction site, right? That's right, Mac. You can buy and sell pipes, accessories, and vintage and hard-to-find luxury tobaccos. You know, just like you were saying. So I can sell my pipes and tobaccos too? Why, that's just fine. Yeah, you bet your life, buddy. So, what'll it be? Can you take me to the floor where the computers are then? What's a computer? Visit TinBids.com, the pipe collector's auction site, and sign up today. weekend here in the United States of America. It was uh, NFL playoff weekend, four NFL playoff games. That's right, four of them, and I was interested in them, and I was doing stuff around the house, and so I wanted to make sure and have them on. And uh, so I get, <laughs> I turn the TV on maybe an hour or two before the first game, and I start skimming through channels to see what's on, and I notice there's Indiana Jones movies, there's Star Wars, there was uh, John Wick movies, and I'm thinking, wait a second, what are they doing? Programming a whole bunch of manly movies an hour or two before the football game because maybe they figure men are sitting around waiting for the games? Well, no. <laughs> what I realized was uh, between five or six of the cable networks, even during the games, they were programming all these genuine, you know, basically manly movies. Movies that women are not interested in. 
And I would have thought for sure that if you're a cable network channel that does movies, you know, maybe it's a good time to play, uh, I, I don't know, Ice Castles and uh, Sleepless in Seattle and stuff like that for the women that may not be interested in watching football all day. Uh, seems like you would want to program stuff for the people that are actually going to tune into your channel because if uh, on a on a NFL playoff weekend like that, if most men are watching TV, they might be watching you know the NFL playoffs, not wanting to watch you know Indiana Jones or Star Wars, which I both love. I love both, love both, but you'd think they'd um, I don't know maybe try to cater to the audience that is not looking for NFL football games and maybe play some movies. You know, yeah, I guess there's always the Lifetime Movie Network or you know some. Whatever it is, the woman gets revenge on the husband movie network. All right, there you go. Uh, that's enough. A supersized show of remnants, parts, and pieces. Hope you enjoyed it. Sorry to Kevin who has to deal with this, but haha. Uh, thank you to Jeff for joining me. Thank you to Fred for all of his time and to Rich as well for all of his time. Thank you all for tuning in, and until next time. the clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny Hell, I think every week this show ought to be cut up and thrown away.